Hi, my name's Madalena Kay, and I'm the host of the podcast AI and You, produced by Europod in partnership with Podium Podcast, Agence France Press, and Cora Media. In AI and You, we deal with the history of AI and how it is having an impact on our lives. From social relationships to employment, from climate change to wars and security. Is AI changing our world for the better or the worse? Come and check it out for yourself. Subscribe to AI and You wherever you listen to podcasts. Europod. This is Europe Talks Back, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. We work with independent journalists to cover stories on the ground. In today's episode, we'll take you behind the scenes of Europe Talks Back. Our producer, Maria Dios, will take it from here. For today's episode of the Behind the Scenes of Europe Talks Back, we have invited Irene Fodaro. In last week's episode, Irene covered a climate protest in France and followed a 70-year-old activist to raise awareness of the need to close the age gap in the climate action movement. Irene is an Italian journalist working as a correspondent in France and she specializes in climate change. Irene, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Irene, you're the scriptwriter of the episode on the generation gap in the fight against climate change. For this episode, we traveled to France. You are a freelance journalist based in Paris, although you are Italian. So before talking about the work we have done together for the previous episode of Europe Talks Back, could you tell us a little bit about you? Yes, my name is Irene Fodaro. I'm an Italian freelance journalist based in France, in Paris. I work mainly for both Italian and French media, but also for Swiss media sometimes. I mainly write articles, but I am also a video journalist and photojournalist as well. So this was my first podcast. And for the Italian media, I mainly cover the French news, even though I decided to focus on environmental and climate news mainly, even though every now and then I also cover social and political news. And for the French media, I will say that I like to cover more local stories because I really like telling personal stories or write about specific places, for example. And yes, the topics that I am the most passionate about are the climate crisis, of course, the environment, but also agriculture, inequalities and gender issues. Beautiful. So thank you for that overview. And if I may add, you are quite a traveler. If I'm correct, in your early career, you worked in several countries, of course, Italy, but also Lebanon, Morocco, and now France. So I'm curious to know from your personal experience, what is the most exciting thing about reporting in foreign countries? Yes. So as you said, I did two um, internships actually some years ago in um, Lebanon and Morocco. This was because I was studying at the time uh, Arabic, the Arabic language. And so I decided to do uh, some internships there, even though it was not in Arabic, it was in French. So I had the chance to work in two different newspapers in, uh, yes, in Lebanon and, uh, and Morocco. And actually these two were my first 
experiences in journalism. So it was really great and challenging at the same time because I could discover uh, these two countries that I really didn't know at the time by reporting on the ground. So it was quite difficult at the beginning because I really had to uh, find my sources and to know the places to cover. But yes, it was really interesting to discover these places thanks to uh, journalism and my articles. Yeah, I guess it must be challenging to get to know a country while you are reporting. But I think it may be also a great experience and completely different just to move and, and work on a different thing that going there and try to be a correspondent. So thanks for sharing that with us. And let's move to the story you covered in France for Europe Talks Back. So this is an episode that aims to close the gap between the youngest and the oldest generations in the fight against climate change. Our protagonist is Karen, a retired woman that became an activist in her late 60s. Irene, for this episode, you follow her journey to a crucial protest against total energies, but you also had a more relaxed uh, interview with her on a different day to go deeper into her story. So how could you describe her? Is there anything in Karen's story that really stuck with you? For instance, the moment when she went to this protest and the police used tear gas against her, but she didn't care, was quite shocking for me. Yeah, so this protest was really interesting interesting to cover because, yes, as you said, it was quite violent at the beginning in particular. The activists were not really able to uh, block the uh, entrance of Total Energy's General Assembly as they were supposed to do, mainly because of the police violence. And as you said, the police used a lot of tear gas, even though the protest was completely peaceful. So yes, Karen was hit with tear gas and I was too, actually. But all of us, I actually... I I was mm, uh, in my in my case I was not upset because I'm quite used to it uh, with the protest against the, the pension reform in France lately and actually yes you're right Karen was also okay she wasn't upset I think she knew that it was going to be a bit violent because uh, you know this protest was completely illegal that's why it was also quite secret and confidential and they um, I think the activists knew that the police was going to be there and that it was going to be a bit violent. But I would like to say also that despite the violence, the protest was actually quite successful because the activists and Karen as well, they really managed to make their presence known thanks to the media as well, the media coverage. And also that despite the violence, it was really a cheerful and joyful protest. There were some singing, dancing, people were chanting. So it was also very nice to cover. And yes, uh, Karen was really brave, of course, because she's uh, almost 69. So she was really brave. But I think that mm, she knew it was going to be like that because lately, especially in France, but I will say in Europe, climate activists are really... Mm, criminalized, more and more criminalized. And lately, a lot of climate protests have been quite violent, even really violent. So this was not the worst. <laughs> 
Wow, I'm sorry to hear that police brutality also hit you when covering this story for us. Well, I think it's a quite powerful image to imagine on the one side police using tear gas and on the other side activists just using their voice and singing. I mean, it's something to really think about how protest goes in France. But talking about Karen, I must say that I completely fell in love with her story. I mean, as you said, she's brave and her views on today's problems seem to me to be really refreshing. At some point in the story, Karen ponders about the myth of old people fighting against climate change just because of future generations. And she says this could not be less accurate. In fact, she doesn't have any grandchildren and still she's there. On the contrary, what she believes is that this cliché that climate change is a young people's problem is there just to discourage older generations from taking climate action. So I want to quote one of her sentences that says, with the rate of climate change, unless you are already about 100, it will affect your life. So, Irene, what is your take on this? Where do you believe this fake generation gap comes from? I think that when we think of the fight against climate change, most of us think of uh, very easily of, you know, figures, great figures like Greta Thunberg and her powerful speech at the UN. Or uh, we, we might think, of course, of climate marches around the world or of young activists throwing paint at paintings. And in all of these cases, the generational divide may seem just obvious. But I am convinced that this collective imagination can discourage a lot of people, often older people, from getting involved in association or just from taking action at a personal level for the planet. Maybe because they tell themselves that it's not for them, that it doesn't concern them. Uh, maybe even that they won't feel welcome or comfortable if they try to join an organization. And that in any case, it's the fight of the youngest and not their fight. But obviously this is not true. And as Karen says, we need, of course, the efforts and action of everyone because the climate crisis is urgent and we need everyone regardless of their age to change things and move forward and that's why I think we need to dismantle this idea that the fight against climate change only concerns one single generation and that it's only their struggle. No I, I just wanted to say that I agree with you and given how much effort big polluting companies put into greenwashing I wonder if there is also some responsibility for their part in the climate change narrative and older generations. But let's finish this interview in a more optimistic way. In your script, you bring an educational side and you talk about how an intergenerational dialogue can help in the fight against climate change. Could you elaborate on it for us? Uh, as I say in the podcast, when we look at surveys and reports on the generational gap when it comes to the fight against climate change, whether at the European or at the French level, they sometimes contradict each other and deliver very divergent conclusions. So, for example, we can read that older people feel less concerned about the climate crisis in their daily life uh, and have 
higher per capita emissions, but also that people age over 65 are more likely to change their lifestyle toward some more environmentally friendly behaviors. So I think this shows how there is not a generational gap, but different ways of tackling this issue and of taking action. For example, in France, many, uh, mainly young people vote for green parties and the um, environment is one of their main concerns. And on the other end, older people are aware of the crisis, but they may look at it in a different way and have different concerns. For example, they focus mainly on biodiversity or on actions like sorting waste or buying local and seasonal products, while the young people have a wider perspective on the issue. And I think these different perspectives can complement each other rather than be opposite. And that's why I think we should really develop and strengthen intergenerational ties and dialogue and solidarity because I mean no generation is winning on this issue we don't have to give a prize to one generation or another and also uh, you know the um, for example, the, the French protests against the pension reform really brought together young and older people, students and working people. And it was really, really powerful, even though in the end, you know, the reform has passed, but their message was really strong on retirement. And France has one of the lowest retirement ages in Europe. But I think that it is important that even in other European countries, people start to think of how important retirement can be as a moment in life when people can take care of themselves and also of the planet and, you know, can live more soberly while still being completely fulfilled. These protests were also in some way successful thanks to the generational dialogue and union. Yeah, Irene, thank you for the valuable lesson. Let's wrap up this conversation by saying that Indeed, solidarity is the key to tackling climate change. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. As our conversation with Irene ends, we now shift our focus to the latest news on climate action in Europe. For the fence stop, we don't need to leave France, as the French government has declared war on a French grassroots climate movement that protests big infrastructure projects. Last Wednesday, France shut down by decree the activist group Uprising of the Earth over eco-terrorism allegations. The Green Organization was created in 2021 using direct action against projects such as water reservoirs, highways or sand mines. The dissolution of Uprising of the Earth was officially launched just after a big demonstration in western France, where activists clashed with the French police. The decision to ban the group has been criticized for using powers that have been previously used to outlaw the far right. The French government has delegalized 33 associations since 2017, but this is a first when it comes to climate action, as highlighted by Politico. Associations such as Human Rights Watch have expressed their concerns about a tilling effect on the rights to freedom of expression and peaceful assembly following the French decree. 
Despite the backlash, climate unrest has spread across the continent over the past months, fueled by a lack of action. As The Guardian uncovers, in May, a wave of student occupations has shut down 22 schools and universities in Europe against inaction on climate breakdown. While in the Netherlands, the police arrested more than 1,500 people during a demonstration by the Extinction Rebellion Climate Group after blocking a motorway section in the center of the egg. We have reached the end of this week's episode of Europe Talksback, a podcast that uncovers impactful stories from across the continent. This show is part of the Sverdan Network project and is available on Europod. Our sound design and mixing are by Jeremy Bouquet. My name is Maria Dios. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we will go on a journey to Spain to cover how homelessness is affecting young people. Bye.